Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Real Life Ghost Stories. We're back. To kick things off today, we would like to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Mons. Brian J. Cummings. Jax Duvall. Amy Both. And Hayley Meir. Meyer? Meir? Meir? Well, I don't know which one it is. Meyer? Meyer? I don't know. Whichever it is, we're still thankful. So thank you to our Patreon subscribers. And we've got a promo today before we do anything else. Do we? And that promo is actually 50p Movie Club. Who is there? What is this? 50, what is this 50p Movie Club you talk of? Would you like to explain, Dan, the premise of 50p Movie Club? Before I've got to do the promo. Before we play a clip of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you don't have to do a promo on the spot. What is 50p Movie Club? Uh, 50p Movie Club is mine and Will's little side chick. <laughs> <laughs> Where we, where I find films in the 50p section of a shop we have in the UK called CEX. I show them to Will and then we talk about it. And where can you find this? Uh, you can find it on the Real Life Ghost Stories Patreon. So we're going to play you a little, a little clip from 50p Movie Club. And if you like it, be sure to sign up to our Patreon page. Well, that, that one take it can, can I just say on, on, the par- on the parental route? Yes. Um... My mum did ask about the podcast and oh. she asked me to send her an episode and I don't feel like there's an episode that I can send her yet where I haven't at some point joked about something inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So can this be our, our our Mother's Day special? Okay. Maybe I need to change the film choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go with it. Go with it. This is Okay, so this is the welcome to the Mother's Day special of um 50p movie club which is we've got some lovely ambient bird <laughs> yeah very fitting for mother's day i feel um even though it's not mother's day here and i don't think it's mother's day in the states either hey, i think that's it, happened it, someone will be listening on mother's day one day yeah so if that's you happy, happy mother's, mother's day, day. <laughs> so there we have a little promo for 50p movie club if you enjoyed it let dan and will know it's a very weird experience for me because I don't tend to actually listen to it. <laughs> you don't, you've, have you ever listened to an episode? Nope. Oh, so Dan doesn't listen to the episodes back because he's not a Patreon pledger. Yeah, oh. I need to, need to pledge. <laughs> so our film review this week. This week, Dan got really nicely gifted a load of um, DVDs. I did. So we said that we would use one of the DVDs for our film review this week. So yeah. I chose The Eye. And The Eye was released in 2008. It is 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb and a solid 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. Ready for a synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Blind for most of her life, concert violinist Sidney Wells, played by Jessica Alba, is the recipient of a double corneal transplant that restores her sight at long last. With the help of her doctor and her sister, she learns to see again. Soon, however, frightening visions convince her that a terrifying alternate world exists and only she can see it. What were your thoughts on this film? You know, I thought it was quite alright, actually. Why did you think it was quite alright? It was interesting enough. It had me intrigued. I kind of wanted to know what was going on with her eyeballs. I think everybody wanted to know what was going on with her eyeballs. It was a good premise. Went a little bit Final Destination at the end, but it's quite good. I didn't mind it. At the beginning of this film, we were like, oh, Jessica Alba, why haven't we seen her in anything in years? <laughs> Since the early 2000s, when she did, like, I Fantastic think it was... Fantastic Four. 
think it was like a step up. And then I remembered why we hadn't seen her or anything. It's because she's a terrible actress. Yeah, she's, she's awful. She's not built for horror she's at all. She's not built for acting, really. No, I don't think. No, she's not. She's She was awful. I thought this film could have been brilliant, but I actually thought it was awful. Hmm. I thought it was really predictable. In terms Even though of... you were cheering her on in to save the little girl. Yeah, I was. Because I didn't want the little girl to die. <laughs> but um, I, did, I thought it was really predictable in terms of the jump scares and stuff. I thought it was very, um, it was clearly massively inspired by The Sixth Sense. Now, I know that it's it's originally a Chinese film, but what I think it took from Western cinema was Sixth Sense and potentially The Grudge. Yeah, but they acknowledged that as well. They did it in full because he makes that joke, doesn't he? When she says, I see, and he was like, dead people. (laughs) If you're going to make a joke about it, then make it one individual joke and don't base your whole film on the same concept about being able to see dead people. So basically, she's able to see dead people. You learn that from, you know, quite early on in the film. It's not a spoiler. And I, and there is a point where she's talking to her doctor and she says um, she's trying to convince him that the doctor who she has a really inappropriate relationship with. Completely inappropriate FYI, the whole way through. Just really, they're not in a sexual relationship, but their whole demeanor of behavior around each other is just really inappropriate. It I've never ro- behaved. Up at a flat. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she just. costs her from a car. It's a very strange, very strange Lots of dynamic. Touch, unnecessary touching. He shakes her at one point, which is really. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. She if, touches his face a lot. Which that's kind of a leftover oh, yeah, thing point. from her being blind, isn't it? But anyway, so she's like running after him down this corridor. He can only walk and talk, by the way, as well. So anytime <laughs> he has to talk about something serious, he does the whole walk with me. And he just, and they go charging through, you know, a market or something. But she's running down a corridor after him trying to explain to him that what's happening to her is because of the eye transplant. So she's seeing what the person who donated their eyes was seeing in their life. But anyway, so she's running down the corridor after this man and she's like, I have no history of mental illness in my family. I've never had depression, schizophrenia or migraines. I was like, is that your, is that, are those the three mental illnesses that you could think of? Schizophrenia, depression, migraines. Yep. Not a mental illness. Sorry. Sorry, script writers out there. Not a mental (laughs) illness. Might seem like it when somebody's in the middle of having a migraine, but it's not mental illness. Really, really wound me up. Really annoyed me. That's just shoddy writing. It's just poor. And I get, like, I get it must be really scary to see dead people, like, all the time, just knocking about in your daily life. It must be really scary. But I think there would come a point where you'd stop being frightened, genuinely. Or stop believing that the things you were seeing were real so this kid jumped out a window and oh at a very she had this she watched this kid jump out a window which was open and then when she ran to the window the window was sealed shut and she still proceeded to smash the window in yep that was very unnecessary what's point in that why why, why did yeah. she do that why, why did that happen don't, don't know they like smashing stuff though because she smashes the mirror later on as well doesn't she She's... yeah and he smashes the window as yeah. well oh there's a lot of They're smashing, smashing. <laughs> <laughs> None of that actually, there was none of that kind of smashing in it. None of that at all. So what would you give this film out of five? Three and a half. Are you serious? Yeah. I was going to give it two. Yeah. Well, I gave it two out of five. Wasn't as good. I didn't enjoy it as much as Amityville Horror, which also has Chloe. She's in this film again, isn't she? Oh, the yeah. The, she's the little kid in this film as well. Yeah. yeah Chloe Moretz or whatever her name is. It wasn't as good as that, but it was It was interesting enough and it wasn't like she was just seeing dead, boy, dead boys. Dead boys? <laughs> wasn't just seeing dead boys for no reason. There was like a reason for it. So yeah, there was a good. reason for it, but um, I, don't, I don't know. I thought you're putting this on the same level with some other films that you absolutely hated, and I don't think you hate it as much. I think you're just giving it a two because you don't want to give it three out of five. What? Actually. 
No, I don't want to give it three out of five because I don't think it deserves three out of five. Mm. I think it was badly executed. Mm. And I think it was... Mm. (laughs) I think she's such a bad actress that it took away from it. Could have been really cool. Would not recommend. Definitely not. Wouldn't watch it again. Okay. I might if it was on TV. Okay, so our stories this week. Oh dear. Buckle up, kiddo, because we're going on a world tour. I'm hiding behind the um, pop god. And our first stop is Japan. Insert stereotypical, slightly racist music here. We're not going to do that, don't worry. So what do you know about Japanese urban legends? Nothing. Well, you're going to have an absolute whale of a time. Beyond the ring, but that's not even Japanese anyway, is it? So I, when you were away at work this week... I said I'd do some research and I was like, oh, we'll do a Japanese series. We'll do a couple of Japanese episodes and then we'll go to elsewhere around the world. So I started looking up Japanese urban legends and I'm not joking, I was shitting myself. Like, I had to stop looking them up for a while and go and watch something nice. And this was like during the day in my house. They freaked me out so much. And a part of it was the images that came with them, like the, the actual pictures that came with them. The Grudge was one of the scariest things I have ever seen when it first came out. It was absolutely, it petrified me. So much so that I had to go and look up the actors after I'd seen it to, to see that they were just real people. Because it fucking terrified me. Wasn't Buffy in it? Yes, she was. <laughs> Buffy was indeed in it. In fact, she was casted specifically because of her abilities to fight evil. So, uh, you know. Makes sense. So we're going to start our Japanese urban legends with urban legend number one, which is the slit mouth woman. Are you ready? No, that sounds horrible. A young person walks down a street in the darkening hours of the evening. Their identity does not matter. Neither does their age or gender. Because the thing that is about to befall them does not care for such things. All that matters is that they are young. The young person turns off a main road and into a smaller street. The sounds of the evening traffic as people return home from work and other daytime activities grows hollow and distant. There is no one on this new street except for a woman, a little ahead. Instantly visible is the surgical mask covering her nose and mouth. Not too unusual in this part of the world, with the heavy smog and a fear of airborne illnesses. The woman continues to walk towards the young person, at first looking to walk past, but then at the last minute veering to stand directly in front of them. Am I beautiful? The masked woman asks. The young person looks her up and down. She has long dark hair that passes over her forehead to practically cover her eyes. And even the jet black cannot cover the piercing brilliance of eyes that can only be described as beautiful, although quite intense at the same time. Yes, you are, replies the young person. The woman slightly bows her head in response before clawing at her mask and tearing it away. How about now? The young person is in shock. What stands before them is a disgusting grin. The woman's mouth has been cut, the corners extended from ear to ear. The full set of her teeth are easily visible through the cut flesh and the mouth is in a permanent smile. Yes, the young person is shocked. The answer is stammered. They are unable to think. The person they have just met is the slit-mouthed woman. The young person has heard the stories told at their school. They turn to run, but after only a few footsteps, she stands before them once again, a sharp implement in her hands. Scissors, a knife... It does not matter. They cut the youngster's flesh all the same. The victim is found on the street some time later, their mouth too bearing the frightening visage of a smile stretching from ear to ear. So goes the story of the slit-mouthed woman. The legend is quite old, but no one is certain where it began. 
What we do know, however, is that it came to prominence in the late 1970s when sightings were rumoured to take place around Nagasaki. The young person in the above story was possibly considered to be lucky, as they will have likely survived their wounds, though albeit with hideous scarring, it can go quite worse according to the legend. Should they have responded no when first asked if the woman was beautiful, she would have killed them there and then. The same fate would have also befallen them if they answered the same after her true face was revealed, though some legend states the young person would have been cut completely in two. When the slit-mouthed woman was said to be sighted in the late 70s, the authorities in that part of Japan sought to calm what was an overwhelming sense of panic in the towns by increasing their presence on the street through putting on more patrols. Schools organised students to walk home in groups as much as possible. She was said to generally only prey on those who were alone. Students were also said to have devised the tactic to fool the slit-mouthed woman, answer her questions with other questions or do not provide a definitive answer. Some told how she let them go after they said they had another engagement to attend to. Obviously, she is not immune to good manners. The stories died down in Japan only to surface in South Korea through the 90s. As for who she is? Well, there are a number of origin tales for this legend. Some put her as a beautiful woman who was quite vain. Her husband began to suspect that she was having an affair with another man. One evening, when his paranoia got the better of him, he attacked her, slicing open her smile so that no man would ever find her desirable. Another story tells how in the early 70s she was a woman who used to chase and terrify children. When complaints were made against her and the police tracked her down, she ran into heavy traffic where she was struck and died. One of her injuries, the signature slit face smile. This particular origin is said to be backed up by a coroner's findings. However, this too is probably just a legend. This urban legend is just plain creepy. How much truth there is to it, you decide. So urban legend number one. So we're going to do a scale for each of these urban legends. Okay. On a scale of one to drop kick down the stairs, what is your thinking about the slit-mouthed woman? It was freaky until I started thinking about it. Right, explain. Because it sounds like a Glasgow smile to me. What's a Glasgow smile? So it's a thing that became later became known as the Chelsea Grin, which is like a, a punishment in... Oh, gang, gang circles. Lands. Yeah, where they basically just cut a smile into your face. They put a knife in the corner of your... Yeah, no, I get it. lift it up. And I think I read somewhere else that it's actually common practice in Yakuza. Oh, is it? So I wonder if... If it's a transfer of the Yakuza and the fear of the Yakuza. Yeah. Because obviously I'd imagine they are quite feared. And the kind of Japanese love of J-horror. Yeah. And I think there's like mm, 67% certain... 67 is a really specific <laughs> number, but okay. That the Yakuza's sort of had a, a spike in the 70s. Oh, no way. Mm. So I wonder whether the victims are just Yakuza victims. And then... And then the story of the slit-mouthed woman. Yeah. Like a, a legend, or maybe two urban legends have come together in reality. Or an urban legend has come together with reality rather. Maybe That's, that is really interesting. I didn't read that anywhere. Mm. You need to write a thesis about that. Okay. It gets started. <laughs> okay. 40,000 words. That is really interesting. Yeah. So I wonder if there's some kind of correlation between it. Like it might be an urban legend, but I wonder if they'd like the victims that they found are... Yakuza victims, maybe. Or whether or not, like, whether there were any victims or not is another story. There's, mm. there's no kind of proven yeah. cases. But equally, if you're in a part of the town or part of the city that is run by gangs, yeah. and you find somebody with a slit mouth, yeah. you're not going to be like, oh, they were killed by a gang member, clearly, because yeah. you're not going to rat them out, are you? Yeah. So the creation of an urban legend makes things yeah. a little bit easier to swallow, yeah. in a way. And, like, the, the 
apparently this this whole like schools organizing for kids to walk home together and whatever that's all real there was a genuine hysteria mm. about it in the 70s wow interesting i didn't realize that that is so interesting well, I, don't, I don't know whether the uk's link is something like is genuine because i don't know but it that is the glasgow smile was a thing and it has been a thing in in scotland since like the 20s and then it sort of transcended into the gangland london later on as like a, a gang punishment so it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that it's something that the UK's have picked up on them. I'm sure I read that they, they did something similar to that. We'll have to look that up yeah, afterwards. Be interesting. Are you ready for Urban Legend number two? No, not really. So Urban Legend number two is called Hanako-san. That means nothing to either of us. No. I was going to ask you, what, what what are your thoughts? We're not Japanese. Sa- we san know. is man, is it? Or it's like sir, it's like a brother? No. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I don't know. Like it's just uh, Miyagi-san. From, uh, <laughs> are you basing this all on Karate Kid? From Karate Kid. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. The third stall in the girls' bathroom. It always seems to have a crudely scrawled out-of-order sign taped to it, no matter how many times it's been taken down. Walking by the other day, it sounded like someone was in there talking to themselves, even though no feet could be seen under the stall. There's something about that bathroom, too. The lights were always turning off on their own, and more than a few people have reported the sound of doors opening and slamming shut as they walked away from the empty bathroom. In Japan, these are the telltale signs that a disturbed ghost named Hanako-san has taken up residence in the school. Once word gets around, then the dares will start up. Who's brave enough to go into the third stall to try and summon her? Some people will hang back and encourage others, while some will say they'll do it and then they chicken out at the last minute. Others, however, are very good at seeming confident. They'll stand right up to the door, usually with a group of giggling girls in tow, and begin the ritual to summon Hanako-san. It's quite a simple thing, really. All you have to do is stand very close to the door of the third stall, knock three times and ask, Are you there, Hanako-san? Afterwards, there's always a stretch of silence, which seems to last forever. Right around this time, everyone else will tend to run out of the bathroom and abandon the poor person to their fate alone. Then, if Hanako-san is really there, she will answer, in a slow whisper. According to the legend of Hanako-san, what happens next will vary depending on what school you're in. Sometimes a hand will burst through the door and drag the person into the stall and kill them. Usually though, after the pause, the stall door will open just a slight bit. Then if the person is brave enough, they'll be able to push the door open, revealing Hanako-san herself. Hanako-san is described as having very pale white skin and as always wearing a red skirt. Her hair is short and black, done in an old-fashioned style. It's obvious that she's a girl of school age, but it's not known why she will harm some people and not others. Sometimes she's said to even protect kids who are being bullied by classmates or who are having problems with other ghosts. Clues to her very varied behaviour might be found in her history, but that's something that's hotly contested. The stories of how Hanako-san became a ghost vary depending on who you ask and what part of Japan you're in. One story says that she was a girl who lived during the time of World War II. She was playing hide-and-seek in her school one day and hid in the third stall of the girls' bathroom. However, while she was crouched and waiting in the stall, some planes came and bombed the area, causing that part of her school to collapse on her. Others say she was a victim of an ongoing bullying by her classmates. One day, the bullying got particularly bad and she ran into the third stall of the bathroom to try and get away. The other kids came and banged on the door to try and force her to come out but she had locked the door and they eventually left. Later that evening, some school staff members found Hanako-san dead in the same stall. 
She just couldn't take it anymore and had committed suicide right there. A third story is a little bit more mysterious. It says simply that Hanako-san fell out the window of the school library. It implies that her fall was an accident, but doesn't give much details for us to know for sure why she ended up in the third stall of the bathroom. It doesn't make much sense to me at all, but the fact that the story has been told for generations of people has got to mean something. Though we may not know the true story of Anako-san, she certainly makes for an interesting ghost story. What are your thoughts on a scale of zero to drop kicking down the stairs? Eight. Eight. Hmm. Oh, we're going on a one to ten here basis. Okay, gotcha. Why is she an eight? What did you say then? You said zero to ten, didn't you? I said zero to drop kicking down the stairs. Yeah, but what's in between zero and drop kicking the stairs? I was I was going for five. I didn't I didn't oh, right, okay. I didn't elaborate on that one at all. Okay. So why so we're gonna go for four then? Yeah. Why? Because it's creepy and it sounds a little bit like Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. She's kinda creepy. She does sound like Morning Myrtle. It's interesting it's always the third stall, isn't it? This is one of those things like uh, saying Bloody Mary in the mirror yeah. three times. That's that's all this is. And I love it. I think it's I can imagine like this story being told to kids in school by another kid who's heard yeah. it from their older sibling and they're like, Oh my god, let's try it and nothing will ever happen. But they'll be like, Did you see the light flickering? Did you see this happen? I can't and then remember. those stories those stories kind of hold on to a life of their own. I can't remember as a man the last time I went into a bathroom that had more than one stall. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. That's really strange because obviously as a girl, I don't have that yeah. in my life. Yeah, I just don't like the idea of that. The kids are weird anyway, aren't they? And creepy and a and ghost in my kid head, is creepy. Any of these... They um, all look like the ring girl. Yeah, they look like the ring girl or they look like Toshio from The Grudge, the little boy. <gasps> that little cat boy. Fuck off. Even he's so cute him. though. No, he's not. He, like, he even, the, even picture in my brain right now is making my blood go cold. Like he I can't. He's, he makes meow and sounds. Yeah, I know apart from the sounds. Like, if you muted it, he's cute. He's a cute little boy. He's he not. Is. He's hideous. I hate him. I hate his face. <laughs> I'd punch him in the face. That poor actor, if I ever met him in the street, I'd be like, Wah! punch him in the face. I think I can just picture this like as a horror movie and it like actually happening and like all the kids like having a fun and then they leave like a little girl to face the thing and then yeah uh, then something actually happens <laughs> i imagine there are i bet there are some j-horror mm. films about this because when i was looking up these stories there was lots of references to j-horror films that right, have been okay. made about yeah. these different urban legends yeah. are we ready for the next one mm. this is a game mm. and it's a game that we are going to play after we finished <laughs> oh my god i wish this had been a video oh my god your face obviously we're not going to play it oh, good this one is called Daruma San. So I think San might be something because this is called the bath game. I think it might be something to do with bathrooms or that word San. No, it's not. It's it's a it's a it's a formal, informal, formal thing that you just add to people's names. Okay, Daruma San, also known as the bath game, originated in Japan. It's a variation of the common game of red light, green light. What the fuck is red light, green light? Just when um, if you see a green light for oncoming traffic you run out in front of it and if it's red you stay on the sidewalk oh otherwise known as chicken yeah that's one (laughs) however in this ritual you are it and daruma a doll ironically often used for good luck (laughs) though of course not in this situation is trying to catch you no dolls are good luck all dolls are evil trying to catch you of course the goal is for you not to get caught why did you choose this story? The materials that you need is a bathroom with a bathtub. And to play, this is what you need to do. At night, before you go to bed, take a bath. It must be before midnight. 
If you fail to follow this rule, you are allowing her to enter into your dreams. Specifically, remove all clothing, then enter the bathroom. <laughs> That's a good job, isn't it? I said, then enter the bathroom. Oh. God. I thought he said specifically take off your clothes before you get in the bath. I was like, well, most people do, right? Listen, do you want the room No, I really you? don't. I yes, don't. Stop. I'm sorry. Stop interrupting. Fill the bathtub. Turn off all the lights. Get into the tub facing the faucet and then sit. Close your eyes and start washing your hair. Well, oh, God. You probably don't have this issue as a man. Or not as a man, but as as a man with short hair. But sometimes when I'm washing my hair, I, like obviously you have to close your eyes, and I'm like, oh my god, when I open my eyes, there's gonna be a fucking demon in the bathroom with me. Do you have that issue? Yes, all the time. Oh, Dan is literally hiding underneath his t-shirt. While washing your hair, repeat: the room of sand fell down. Continue to repeat until you finish washing your hair. Do not open your eyes. If completed correctly, a Japanese woman standing in a bathtub will mentally appear in your mind. Then she will slip and fall, face first, gashing her right eye out. If you hear or feel anything behind you in the tub, do not turn around or open your eyes. Ask, why did you fall in the bathtub? Let the question linger in the air. Keep your eyes closed and mindfully get out of the tub, while not falling yourself. Do not drain the tub. Exit the bathroom and close the door behind you. Open your eyes now. Do not turn on any lights until daylight. And then go to sleep. Are you okay? No. <laughs> do you want me to stop? No, you need to finish the story. Wake up as you usually do. Once you wake up, the game has begun. Continue as you would any normal day. However, you'll feel a presence behind you throughout the day. If you glance behind your right shoulder, you may see her. She will have black, tangled hair and only one eye. She will try to get closer and closer to you as the day continues. If she gets too close, yell Tamare, which means stop, and run away. This will put distance between you and her. However, each time you use this, the time to stall her will shorten. Do not let her catch you. Oh, this is freaking me out. The longer you play, she will grow stronger. How to end the game. Catch her in your line of sight. She will always try to hide. So you need to keep her in, her, in your sights. Shout Kita which means I cut you loose as you move your arm in a chopping motion. If this is done right, you have won. If not, run. What what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to play? I hate you. Do you? Yeah. Do you know when I was researching this story, there were like a million and one videos on YouTube of people doing this. And even I was like, oh, I... I I mean, I will just say, like, all fear aside, that is the most complicated game. It's a very complicated game, but it did give me the heebie-jeebies. I hate it. I Are thought you... you said there was something about a doll in it, though. Yeah, it said a doll at the beginning. So it's, um, you are it and Darum is trying to catch you. So I don't really know what the link is between. I think in in Japanese culture, the Daruma is a doll that brings good luck. But Daruma is also the name of the woman in this story rather than it being actually about a doll. Such a gross story. I hate it. Are you okay? No, I'm now traumatised. Oh, we've kind of got a we've got a couple more stories to go. No, that's just that's that. Oh, that's so not a nice story. Why zero, would you go through that? Zero to drop kick down the stairs. Like set fire to the house. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> okay, I've got one that's a little less scary. I'm not going to watch it all week now. 
You're not gonna what? I'm not gonna go anywhere near. Oh, the you're not gonna wash no. all week. I said I'm not gonna watch all week, and I was like, watch what? Our next one though is a little bit nicer in that it's not like horrific like that one was, and it has some cultural significance to more so Scotland, but it's more like. But they're, they're, there's other games, isn't there, in Western culture like that? I'm trying to think back to that podcast that I listened to about. Oh, there's like Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, that was that one for a while, thing. but it's that came the, from South America, didn't but it? There's like children's games and stuff as well. They're really similar to that, like really complicated and really gruesome. And like, why would you teach your kids to play that game? Oh yeah, like why would anybody ever do that? <laughs> okay. So our next one is. I don't feel good anymore. <laughs> our next one is Oni Baba. Are you ready? Oni or only? Oni. If you find yourself walking in the hills of, I'm not even going to attempt a it. A place in Japan. A place in Japan. You may come across a little old lady acting like she needs help. My advice to you is to be careful. You may be looking at Onibaba, the legend of the demon hag. Lucky for us, there is only reportedly one in the world. Is she like Baba Yaga? Yes, she is quite like Baba Yaga. So, And she is located in this particular part of Japan. Onibaba is described as being a small old lady with a dishevelled, maniacal look about her. She has wild hair with an unnaturally oversized mouth. Some also say that she carries around a large cooking knife to cut open her victims. Onibaba is a legend of tragedy and in my mind proves the point. Evil can stem from some of the best intentions. It all started a long time ago in Kyoto with a wealthy couple who had a baby girl. Sadly, the baby was born sickly and never made a sound. Concerned about their daughter, the couple asked numerous doctors and medical experts, but they were unable to cure the child. In desperation, the couple consulted a local fortune teller. He told them of a sinister cure which would bring their daughter back to health. He informed them, if you feed the liver of an unborn fetus to your child, she will be cured. The couple decided the child's nanny, who had a daughter herself of a similar age, would go in search of the cure. She knew that this trip would take weeks, months, if not years. So she gave her daughter an amulet, bringing luck and protection with it, then ventured off into the countryside, vowing not to return until she had the cure. For months, she searched for a pregnant woman who would be willing to give up their unborn baby. To no surprise, she was unable to find any willing person. So she figured that a more drastic measure was needed. She would take one by force. She built herself a makeshift shelter in a cave next to a quiet road. There she waited patiently for a pregnant woman to walk by. Months passed, then years, then decades, with no pregnant woman in sight, until one fateful day. She saw her target walking up the hill alone. Eager to get her cure, she jumped on the poor woman, cutting open her stomach and hacking out the liver from the unborn baby. With a feeling of success washing over her, she noticed an amulet around the dead woman's neck. It was then that she realised... In her desperation to find the cure, she had just slain her own daughter and grandchild. This drove the woman to insanity, and as legend tales, she transformed into a yokai. Still to this day, it is reported that she is waiting in her cave near the road for her next victim. However, pregnant women are no longer her target. She will attack any passerby. So if you're in this area of Japan, my advice is to be careful of little old ladies. Who knows? You could be the next victim of Onibaba. There's, there's more to this story than just being careful of little old ladies, though, isn't there? Well, what? It's being careful of little old ladies carrying large kitchen knives. Well, that too, yeah. In the middle of the forest. Who are trying to lure you back into their little cave. I'd be like, no, thank you. 
No, oh. you're okay, thank you. No, I'm going to keep going now. But bye. Run. No, 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 I'm fine, thank you. And then I'd shove you into her and then run away. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, I would. What are your thoughts on that story? Not quite as scary as the first one. No, it's not quite as scary, but I liked it. So I kind of... It's a very moralistic story. It's a story, I think, about a a story against witchcraft, basically. It's a story against alternative ideas of medicine and stuff. And it's kind of going, oh, you know, she took that. They took that witch doctor's advice. And then look what happened to them. And we had the same things. I think every culture has gone through their phases of that, of that kind of... Um, movement away from what is normal in society no that's not what i mean hang on let me reverse what i mean is that every society has gone through that phase of where they go oh, suddenly actually the traditional way of doing things or witchcraft or all that is really bad so we need to move away from it enlightenment christ on a bike that took me a while to get there <laughs> didn't it and i think every culture has had it but this story reminded me of you know the you know the story of sweeney todd yeah you know that was a penny dreadful yeah. So it wasn't a real story, but it was based on a Scottish family yeah. who, did I ever tell you this? It was like Sony, Sony Bean, I think their names were, some sort of mad little name. And they had a big, they were a big Scottish family and they lived in the caves and they attacked and ate people who who travelled near enough to their cave. Mm. There you go, that's what it reminded me of. Nothing like having a barbershop and killing your customers, no, is it really? absolutely nothing like it. Although mm. there were there were people in... Um, Joanna! I love Sweeney Todd. There were people in London who did kill people and feed their meat to, to unsuspecting passers-by, but I can't remember the story off the top of my head. I thought you said beat their meat then. Be- no, I did not say beat their meat. Oh, there's definitely people in London who do that to unsuspecting passers-by too. But that's different. Yeah, old ladies and scary like children. I don't really like anybody, do I? I'm just scared of everybody. You're scared of everybody except for me and Bim. Yeah, I'm scared of him sometimes, to be fair. Uh, and you. The next one. I'm ignoring that. The next one is... Oh, God, I don't even want to read this one. Well, that's not then. That's fine. I'm good. Let's just... No, we've got two more Thanks to go. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This one is the is the legend that the grudge is based on. Because the grudge is based on a Japanese belief that if somebody dies in real sorrow or pain or anger, then their cursed spirit stays in that place. Right? And it's called... I'm going to call it Onryo. On, on, oh, I don't even know what it is. We're going to say Onryo. I just feel it. A-O-N-R-Y-O. Onryo. We'll say Onryo. So I the- had a football player that I coached called Rio. And his name, that's how you pronounce that. And his name is for R-Y-O. Okay, unreal then. They are the ghosts of people who died with such strong passions, jealousy, rage or hatred, that their soul is unable to pass on and instead transforms into a powerful, wrathful spirit who seeks vengeance on anything and everything it encounters. Unreal appear as they did when they died. Often they were victims of war, catastrophe, betrayal, murder or suicide and they usually display wounds or marks indicative of the way they died. The motive is always the same. Vengeance. Onryo are easily powerful enough to swiftly kill any person. However, they prefer letting the object of their hatred live a long life of torment and suffering, watching those he knows suffer and die. They inflict a terrible curse on the people or the places that they haunt. This curse can be transmitted to others through contact, like a contagious disease, creating a circle of death or destruction that is far more devastating than any ordinary ghost. They make no distinction in whom they target with the, with their grudge. They just want to destroy. Moreover, this vengeance can never be satisfied, as it can for most ghosts. While most ghosts only haunt a person or place 
until their exercise are placated and Onrio's horrible grudge curse continues to infect a location long after the ghost itself has been laid to rest. Occasionally, an Onrio curse is born not out of hatred and retribution, but out of intense passionate love which perverts into extreme jealousy. These Onrio haunt their former lovers, exacting their wrath onto new romances, second marriages, their children, and eventually end up destroying the lives of the ones they loved so much in life. Whatever the origin, the Onryo's undiscriminating wrath makes it one of the most feared supernatural entities in all of Japan. Unquestionably, the most well-known Onryo, and one whose grudge curse exists to this very day, is the ghost of Oiwa, a young woman who was brutally disfigured and then murdered by her wicked and greedy husband in an elaborate plot. Her story is told in Yatsuya Kaidan, the ghost story of Yatsuya, and has been retold many times in books and film. Like with Shakespeare's Macbeth, legend has it that a curse accompanies her story and that those who retell it will suffer injuries and even death. Oh, God damn it. Oh, if I get injured or die tonight because of a Japanese curse, I'm going to be really annoyed. To this day, producers, actors and their crews continue to visit the grave of Oya in Tokyo before productions or adaptations of this story, praying for her soul and asking for her blessing to tell the story once again. Hmm. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, so if the Onryo on are vengeful, vengeful spirits that destroy the lives of people, yeah, then that person will become an Onryo as well. So it's like a never-ending cycle. Not necessarily. Yeah, because if, if their life has been destroyed, then they're not going to die a nice, peaceful death, are they? Well, it's, not, it's about having like absolute jealousy, absolute rage absolute hatred when you die yeah it's I'd not d- just like being pissed off because the spirit has ruined your life imagine though imagine how pissed off you'd be you you talk about the rage that you'd get if we had a poltergeist right yeah so imagine if you had an Omri of just doing all this stuff to you by the time you died you'd be full of hate i reckon most people would be they'd just be like ah come on That's rage than hate rage yeah i don't know i just this one really freaks me out mm. because of the grudge yeah. First of all, I couldn't, like, I still can't really go into the attic in my mum's house because it reminds me of the grudge. <laughs> I just can't manage it. And It doesn't remind you of the boy. Uh, well, well, no, the boy wouldn't bother me because I just <laughs> fucking kick the shit out of that man. That's but a... I couldn't kick the shit out of the grudge, could I? No, because no, she'd eat me. And it was this as well. Uh... Couldn't be dealing with that. No. Me and my mum used to ring my brother on private number and make that noise down the phone. <laughs> Just to freak him out. Cool. He doesn't know that. Now he might know that. I'm sorry, Mark, if you're listening. He doesn't listen. But this one is this. I don't like this one. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, I didn't retell really the story, so I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, but if she's coming for me, she's coming for you. Why is she coming for me? Because we're like the same person. Because I'll be like, I'll make you retell the story. <laughs> and I'll be like, take him instead. <laughs> Last one. All right, okay. Are you ready? We've got one more. I think we've probably done enough. Well, we've got one more. Mm. And this one is called the Teke Teke. Teke Teke is a ghost who appears in a number of urban legends. Teke Teke are almost always women. Though in a few versions of the urban legend, the ghost is male. She has no lower half. She runs about on her arms, creating the distinctive Teke Teke sound from which she gets her name. So she obviously like around on her arms why are you looking at me like that that's really freaky 
Teke Teke chases its victims down dark roads. Despite having no legs, a Teke Teke can run incredibly fast. So fast, in fact, that it can even catch up to victims who are speeding away in cars. When it catches them, something terrible happens. The legends are not always clear what. In some variations, the story of the Teke Teke carries a sickle. It slices its victims in half at the waist and steals their legs. Like with most urban legends, there are so many versions of the Teke Teke story that it is impossible to know what the origin story was or where it began. Every locality has its own version with different details. In some stories, the Teke Teke was the victim of a tragic accident. In others, it was suicide. In some stories, certain magic charms can protect you from its wrath. In others, nothing can protect you and you will certainly die. In some versions, the Teke Teke's victims become Teke Teke themselves. There are a number of threads in common between many of the variations. The most common ones point towards one individual woman named Kashima Reiko. In the years after World War II, an office worker was assaulted and raped by an American military personnel. That night, she leaped off a bridge onto the railroad tracks and was hit by an oncoming train. The impact was so forceful that her body was torn in half at the waist. The severe cold of the winter night caused her blood vessels to contract and prevented her from bleeding out quickly. Instead, she squirmed and wriggled about for help for several minutes. She crawled all the way to the train station and was seen by an attendant. Instead of trying to help her, the station attendant just covered her with a plastic tarp. She died a slow and agonising death. According to legend, three days after hearing this story, you will see the ghost of a woman with no lower half. (laughs) What are you doing to us? The ghost is that of the woman hit by the train. The ghost will try and catch you, and escape is impossible even in car. The ghost can crawl at speeds of up to 150 kilometers an hour. Some say that the ghost is searching for her legs, which were lost when she was cut in half. Others say that she is angry at humanity for not helping her when she was dying, and that she is simply out to slaughter as many people as she can. When she catches you, she will tear you in half and steal the lower half of your body. Shortly after hearing the legend, she will ask you a riddle, either in a dream or in a mysterious phone call. Fuck off. If we get any strange phone calls in the next couple of days, you're answering it. It's your fault. You're bringing all these bumming stories to us. The only way to escape death... We could have stopped after the bath game. That's when I wanted to stop. And now we've got two curses on us. Thanks for that. The only way to escape death is to answer her questions the right way. She will ask you, do you need your legs? You must reply, write this down, write this down. You must reply, I need them right now. Then she will ask you, who told you my story? And you must reply, Kashima Reiko. If you answer her riddles without mistake, she might just let you live. They love a good riddle as well, these ghosts. Love a fucking riddle. So what are your thoughts? We're done. We're done with the stories. You can relax. Um, I can't now because you've cursed us twice. Thanks for that. Um... I don't like the idea of people moving in a weird way. That's scary. Yes, that is very scary. I also wonder if it's some kind of like ghostly form of tag so that she catches someone, steals their legs, becomes a human with different legs, and then the next person becomes the techie techie and, and has to find their own legs. Maybe. And then I was also got a little bit sidetracked because I was thinking about a small lady attacking a, a very tall, big man and taking his legs and then becoming a human with a really small lady body. And, and really big, big man, man legs. legs. <laughs> 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 that's, uh, that's not something I... Or, or, or having a lady body and really small baby legs. 
That's not funny. Don't laugh at her. She's going to come for you even quicker if you keep laughing. She's not coming for me. You'll tell the story. Yeah, but if you hear the story, it said you've just heard the story. Why are you doing this? We're both going to die. If you never hear from us again, just know that these uh, Japanese curses. We joke that we would ruin the podcast, but actually you ruined your own podcast by Teke Teke. Fight cursing us both. So what are your thoughts on Japanese urban legends? I think they're a reflection of the patriarchal beliefs of Japanese society. Why do you think that? Because all the women are evil. Oh. I mean, all the evil are women. All the evil things are women, not all women are evil. That's yeah. not what I meant to say. Yeah, most of them were women. Like, they, they, I kind of cherry-picked these particular urban legends, but most urban legends are about women. Which is very annoying. But also quite cool, because it means that there are all these fucking bad boss bitches running around freaking people out. Another trend that I noticed in these Japanese urban legends uh, was bathrooms. There were quite a few of them that were centered around bathrooms, these urban legends. The bath game, Moaning Myrtle, what was the other one? There was, but there were other ones that I just didn't include that were centered around bathrooms as well. Because I got to a point where I was like, I can't keep including stories about bathrooms. Do you think that's why Japanese bathroom technology is so absurd now is that they got so worried about going into the bathroom they were like we just have to make this experience as amazing as possible and so they invented all these amazing toilets that do things for you and they're like sentient yeah yeah probably maybe that was why yeah maybe it's not about technology at all maybe it's about keeping ghosts away yeah maybe that's we fucking we, we, we see you Japan we see you so we've got some new reviews this week do you want to hear them yeah I do because I'm really grateful that people have left reviews I'm just still a bit annoyed at you oh listen if I be seeing some flipping thing in the dream, I'm just going to say Emma, it's Emma's fault. Go and see Emma. You're okay, fine. Don't get cross at me. <laughs> <laughs> the first review is entitled Love! Exclamation mark, And it comes from J. Clolble. J. K. Lol. B. B. So if that's you, I'm sorry, I tried. Clob. Clob. <laughs> Yeah, Jay Klaub. Love their accents. American here. I love hearing their stories. Definitely recommend. Thank you very much. Our next review comes from I Hate This Flippin' App. <laughs> and it's entitled My New Virtual Besties. I binge while at work and truly Who's believe... from? I Hate This Flippin' App. Oh, I thought that was the title of the review. No, that's the name of... That's their, that's their username. What's the title of the review then? My New Virtual Besties. Oh, okay. I binge while at work and truly believe I've found two new members of my weirdo tribe. My favourite new podcast from Tammy in Texas. Thank you, Thanks, Tammy. Tammy. I'm going to do one more because <laughs> our reviews are stacking up and we are never going to get through them. Okay. So this one is entitled Excellent and it comes from Gracie3417. Emma and Dan are so entertaining. I love the movie reviews and their take and explanations revolving the ghost stories. They respect every story, whether they believe it to be attributed to the supernatural or not, which makes the episodes very authentic and natural. I also love that Dan is never ready to hear these stories and Emma's love of aliens. Winky face. That's not funny. That's hilarious. (laughs) These two are so relatable and truly enjoyable. Great job, guys. Definitely keep it up. And that's from Gracie from Massachusetts. Ooh, Massachusetts. So thank you so much. If you've got any thoughts about these Japanese urban legends, then hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a two-parter. Hey, we've got another episode about Japanese if ghosts we survive. next week. If we come back next week, we are living proof that these Japanese urban legends are not real. If we don't, fuck you, Japan. Wow. I know. I I'd like to go to Japan sometime. That's, that she doesn't speak for me on that. Yeah, no, I actually would quite like to go to Japan as well. So I take that back. I'm sorry. I just got, I just got 
passionate about your ghost stories. If you enjoyed it, then come on over to our Facebook page and give our Facebook page a little like. It's Real Life Ghost Stories on Facebook. And you can also, through our Facebook page, you can join our super secret group on Facebook, which is RLGS Supergroup. And you've got to answer a question, which is, who are the hosts of this podcast? We always get really interesting answers. And somebody answered yesterday saying Jenny and Tony. Uh, so I let them in. <laughs> that's real life goat stories. So I let them in because I was like, that's really funny. And I hope you're only joking because otherwise we've missed our mark there. Mm. And if you would like to chat with us on Instagram, we're on Instagram quite regularly. That is at real life ghost stories on Instagram. We are also on Twitter. At real ghost pod. And Dan is on Twitter at 50p movie club. Yep. And if you want to email us a ghost story, you can do that if you email it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com. Again, we've got another backlog of stories going, so we'll be doing a listener's episode soon. Last but not least, if you want hours and hours of extra content, then you need to log on to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for just $2 a month, you get full access to the 50p movie club back catalog. And for $5 a month, you get access to 50p movie club and tiny tales, which are extra paranormal episodes that we do weekly. And on that note, uh, wait, before we go. Oh, go on. So what were your feelings about, um, uh, Navy pilots seeing UFOs on a daily basis. I, I'm not fucking doing this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Honestly, this has been shared. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. Don't do it. I can't. This has been shared so many times in the supergroup. And it like it has been sent to me in like private messages a million bazillion times. And I'm like, yes, I get it. Okay, I get it. But you know what I'm taking from this? Because the guys in Super 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 Duperstitious, yeah, they did an episode about this and they were talking about how UFO in military speak is any unidentified flying object it does not mean aliens and the reason why they're acknowledging it and they're studying it is because they're worried that places like russia are going to have more technology than they are and that's what they think it is they don't think it's aliens they think it's technology from fucking other countries okay that's what it is now you can all fuck off that's what that's what everybody can do send me them alien stories i don't want to hear them i don't need to hear them i don't need to know And on that note, (laughs) we'll see you next week. Goodbye.